Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh, my old heart. I was telling you on Friday, I was going over to the Emirates for the first time since before the pandemic. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's still fluttering today. I'll never, ever forget it. I don't think I was at a more dramatic Arsenal game in my life from start to finish. The roof, there's no roof on the Emirates, but it, if there was a roof, it would have been gone on Saturday evening around about five o'clock. It was unbelievable. It really was. And then what about United fans, Liverpool fans? yesterday 7-0 Liverpool could you believe it and of course the drugs winning on Friday night and on Dock here locally in the League of Ireland fantastic weekend all around for uh, yours truly I have to say welcome to the show busy uh, show ahead for you and week and we're beginning with soccer actually on the show today but from an entirely different perspective because you see my first guest of the week is Stephen McGuinness he's the General Secretary of the Professional Footballers Association of Ireland and when I tell you he went along yesterday to Johnstown Park in Dublin to watch an underage game between Tolka Rovers and St. Kevin's Boys and uh, what happened, well we're going to hear now what happened. Stephen, thanks for joining me on the show. How's it going? Gary, you forgot to mention that I'm a former Dundalk player. Yeah. It's important to get that in. I know you don't, don't like admitting that. Um, but, uh, listen, that listen I'm happy to admit and happy to say it well. And with distinction, may I say, when you wore the black and white yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. Even though you annoyed us up the road in Drogheda many, many times, Stephen. <laughs> but we'll forgive you for that anyway. Anyway, listen, it's lovely to talk to you. And I want to say to you, thank you for joining me on the show. Look, will you just context this for listeners? Because I want to explain to them what happened. Was it another? Under eight or nine game you were at? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was an under, it was an under nine game. And I, I suppose I, what I don't want to do is I, I don't want to start naming clubs and coaches. Yes, and else. that's I think, okay. I think, yeah, I think the yeah. issue that at hand is an issue that I'm starting to see at a at a young age in in our sport. Uh, I go to watch football quite regularly. I, I see lots of games. Uh, unfortunately, what, what I see now is is a lack of respect between the players at a really young age. And it's something that I suppose from a federation point of view, from a club's point of view, that we have to look at as people who are involved in the game and ensure that there's respect between the players. And, and yesterday what I saw was incidents where both sets of players, in my opinion, didn't respect each other. And an under nine game for a player to strike another player and for another player to, to, to strike uh, another player with the ball 
just to me isn't acceptable. Um, and there, there's lots of issues, as we all know, in, in football in regards to off the pitch with parents and everything else. But the level of game I saw yesterday was a really high level uh, uh, from a standard perspective. Mm. But there's no referees at this age group at under nines, which is a real problem because it, 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 it to me, means that from the discipline of, of young players and elite level, which these players are elite, they're, they're some of the best young players in the country, we're not teaching them the right principles if somebody thinks that the first action is to strike another player. That isn't right, Shirley. That's not, that's not the game I was brought up uh, playing. Now, I, I played skillboard football in Dublin from the age of seven up to the age of 18. I would have, Dundalk would have been in our, in our league. Mm. Uh, the, the Dublin district does stretch, as you know. Yes. The CDSL, it does stretch. And, and what, what, when I played, there was never a game abandoned. There was a respect between the players that I respect. I'm playing against you, and without you, I can't have a, a game. You're, you're going to test me. I'm going to test you. And that's what sport is about. Mm. And what I'm seeing now more regularly is that that respect is gone. Sportsmanship in our game that I see is, is going. And we have all these discussions about referees, which I fully understand, and, and I understand about coaching and all the other elements of the game. But what we seem to be fundamentally forgetting about is the sportsmanship and the respect between the players as young as seven, eight, nine, right up to, to our senior players, that there seems to be disrespect is gone. And that striking somebody seems to be nearly acceptable. And yesterday, what, what my fear about what I saw yesterday was is, is this just going to be brushed under the carpet? Because there's no referees at the game, it, does this get reported? How, how do we manage what happened yesterday? And, and what was more worrying to me was I put it on social media, gave my opinion on it, right? and I absolutely understand. Mm. Two coaches, I must say, handled the situation quite well. Um, the parents maybe not so much, uh, particularly, particularly in some of the stuff that, I, that I, I couldn't actually hear exactly what was said, but obviously there was issues there. I'm sure there'll be a statement made uh, by either DDSL or the clubs in relation to what happened. But my bigger fear here is, is are we teaching our kids the right principles? Because ultimately, Jerry, they go from the pitch out into society. Mm. And uh, we have an obligation, I think, in our sport to ensure that the players respect each other. And that then flows into their lawyers. Like, they're not all going to be elite professional footballers. They're not all going to go and play for Drogheda or Dundalk or Slugger Rovers or Shamrock Rovers or whatever. They're going to have lawyers outside of football. And if we can't, for that period of time when we have them, teach them what is right from wrong from a pitch point, what chance have we got to go into society? And I think we have a, a responsibility all sports, not just my sport, yes. which is which is football, obviously, but in GA and everything else, we have a responsibility, and I think we're letting that responsibility slip. And what I saw yesterday isn't acceptable to me. Whatever happened to the parents parked that for a minute, the way the players treated each other and the respect they had for each other wasn't good enough for me. That's, that's just what I, what I thought. I know the coach of one of the teams, a brilliant coach, a great guy, so was the other manager of the other team. But the kids, fundamentally, are making decisions, whether that's coming from the parents, whatever way that's coming from, but that isn't good enough to, for me. And we, as a, as a body and as a, as, a, as a game, have to make sure that sportsmanship is the key component in our game. And I think it's forgotten about Jerry. I think mm. people don't talk about sportsmanship anymore. They talk about, oh, did you win or did you lose? It's, it's not about me competing against you as an individual or a group of players, because without the, the, the opponent, you have no game to play in. Like. That is so true. Now, look, I just want to ask you this, just for, for me and for listeners today. How many aside is this game? Yeah, so you have five... So you have five players, B5, so it's 5v5, two games on beside each other. So in total, you would have roughly 15 to, 15 to 18 players um, playing against each other. Right? So From you, each so team. They play a game and then they swap over and they go on to the other pitch. But they, they play against each other, five aside. Uh, really good concept because back in our day, Jerry, it would have been a big goal and the guy yeah. who kicked the ball the longest was, was the, the, the team that, that, that won the yeah. games. Obviously. This has now changed. The problem, again, what I saw yesterday was 
parents are encroaching nearly on the pitch. So in, the, in these small sort of games, you can run the ball on from a throw-in or from a kick-in. It's not just a dead ball kick-in. They can run it on. The kids struggled yesterday to run on because the parents were so close to the line that the coach from one of the teams had to ask the parents to step boy, had to ask the parents to go out of the middle. Now, look, at one of the things that I would like to see, and I know maybe some parents listening don't think this is the right thing to do, but personally for me, if I was on the football club tomorrow, I watch the players shake their hands after the game, right? I watch it, and, and, it's, and it's good. It's a sign of respect. I would like to see the parents shake each other's hands before they start. Because the amount of messages I've seen from people about parents being the problem, well then let's, can we eradicate that, 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 that problem by the parents on the Sunday and shaking each other's hands and saying, I'm going to respect you and you're going to respect me and we're here for our kids and we're going to respect each other. So let the kids see us shaking hands and let them respect each other then. And maybe, Jerry, that we've, we've looked at this from the player's point of view, but at a young age it's the parents who are affecting it from the sideline. And the respect between the both sets of parents and the coaches, that needs to happen. And maybe at games where the, the, the parents shake each other's hand before the game or punch whatever, fist pump them, whatever, that there's a general respect between everybody that we're here for the kids. Like. And that that's maintained through the game. So look, just to come back to yesterday, there is no referee. Is a referee needed now when you see what happened yesterday? Oh, absolutely. I, I, absolutely. At under nine level, for me, watching that game yesterday, and I've watched um, that age group for quite a bit. And look, these are really talented players. I have to say, but this is this is the top, in my opinion, mm. the top top players at this age group with really good coaches. There absolutely needs to be referees. Now, this is the next problem we roll into because the amount of messages I got last night when I put up on social media of amount of referees who are saying, Stephen, you won't get referees to referee at that level because of the of the abuse they get from the sidelines. Now, mm. man. Are we talking about an under nine game that they're getting that abuse that nobody wants to do it? Like, and that we think that the kids are going to manage the game themselves. What I found yesterday is quite difficult for the coach and to call free kicks. And there's no free kicks in the game, which leads the players pulling each other back and fouling them. And there's no ramifications. So there's no yellow cards, there's no red cards. Yes. So, so it, at that level, to me, there has to be a coach. But again, what I'm hearing is there's a huge shortage of referees. Yeah. And that referees are feeling that. Particularly, I, I saw some messages from guys saying that at the senior level in football, like obviously League of Royal level, and top levels of senior league level, and top levels around the country, there's no issues. But it seems to be at this really young age, seems to be where all the problems are. And that's why you can't get young or referees to referee at this age because of the hassle. It's just not worth it. Like, Could we be seeing a scenario where parents will not be allowed into these games? I would... I'll give you personally my opinion, right? My personal opinion is I don't think parents should be at the games. That's my personal opinion. Par- parents, I'm sure, will ring into your show and tell you, oh, they, it, it's our kid, our Johnny or our Mickey. We want, you know, we want to see him play. We want to see him enjoy his football. Yeah, no, I get that. But you'd leave him in school. like You don't have a problem with him being left in school to, mm. to learn and get taught. Why do we think that we have to watch them then in sport all the time? Like, and the, the kids learn so much more from the actual coach and the instruction they get from him rather than the parents riding on with all due respect to the parents. They don't, they're not coach, they're not, they're not at a level that, that they can instruct the kid to do what, yes. what the kid should do. He should be instru- taking instruction from his coach who's given up their time, by the way. All the coaches yesterday, both male and female that were at, at the game, are giving their time up voluntarily, by the way. Mm. They ain't, nobody yeah. can pay it here. They're mm. doing it because they... They love it. They do it because they have that, maybe their own kid involved or whatever. But we need to give them the respect and allow them to do their jobs. And I would personally have them in a pen, uh, parents, like sheep, in a pen in the corner, so far <laughs> away from it. Um, that's what I would personally do. If you come, if you come to Abbottstown, Jerry, yeah. to Abbottstown, and, and obviously I'm based at National Sports Campus here in Abbottstown, the FAI buildings, the, the parents aren't allowed into, when the underage teams are, are training the international teams, the parents are kept away, like, 
and they're not allowed to go in for the kids yes. playing. And and to me, that's the way it should be. I, I think the kids need to need to develop and learn how to play themselves without this pressure. Like yes, if an under nine game, but have that level of abuse, and mm. it's not good for kids. So like, what happened, Stephen? Just just to describe the situation, there was a bad tackle or two. Was there an? Yeah, there, yeah, there was a there was a bad there was a bad tackle. There was a reaction to to, to there was two tackles that I, I would say. In my opinion, right, the tackles would be yellow cards. In my opinion, if mm. the referee there, the kid gets a yellow card. There's no ramification. The kid doesn't get a yellow card. The other kid gets up and whatever else. There's a bit of a push. But the reaction to the push is a punch. That's the reaction. Like. And then the reaction to that is then another kid to boot the ball at another kid. Like. And then that causes bigger foray. And then before you know it, the parents are across. And then there's words had. And then the game is abandoned. And, and that, at an under nine level, is just to me not acceptable. And we have to teach the kids, and we have to, to, to teach the kids that they have to have respect for each other. And that's the form. When I was walking away from it, when I left there, as somebody who, who represents professional footballers for a job, when I walked away from that, I said, These kids, hopefully in nine, ten years' time, are going to be professional footballers. But what are we teaching them now? Like, we have, they have to have respect for each other. And that, that sportsmanship piece of it, Jerry, is gone for fo- from, from football that I can see. That sportsmanship, it's win at all costs, even at under nine. Mm. Win at all costs. Are we joking? Like, I, I mean, we have a responsibility to these kids. The clubs have a responsibility to these kids to bring them up the right way. And and just yesterday, now that might, might well be a one-off, right? Mm. But what I saw last night when Sue Rowland, who was a former women's international manager, tweeted last night that an under-15 girls game was, was cancelled as she was after her niece was playing in for fighting between the players. Like, a 15 girls a 15. like, And now, obviously this discussion, this topic has come up and this now seems to be more regular in both GA and in soccer um, right, right across the country this is, seems to be a regular occurrence mm, Yeah because you, you're right I saw a hurling game had to be abandoned as well an official was assaulted there and the game was stopped yesterday so it's just not a soccer thing it happens funny rugby seems to gain more respect at the top level and right through but I want to ask you this you know that uh, respect UEFA t- uh, trots it out every single game we have the silent sideline campaign you would have been familiar with that oh, yeah. here in this country as well um, is, is it a learned behaviour? I'm just thinking about, you know, the Premier League on television, the League of Ireland. Now you can watch it right across TV as well. And you know what goes on there as well. Are they seeing things happening there that they imitate? Um, I, I, no, no, if I'm being deadly honest with you, no, I don't see it. I, I, I'm watching our league. Yeah. I don't know, for the, for the bones of probably 20 years. I can't remember a fella punching another player. I can't remember it. I can't remember last time a player punching another player. True. It's not something that happens like. So 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 what I saw yesterday is something that I don't see at the top end of professional sport for them to replicate. So where are they seeing that from? Like where's that coming from? Because I don't see anybody strike anybody. It doesn't happen in the League of Ireland. I can't remember last I can't remember any player punching another player. Okay, there's an instant where where uh, Connolly opposed you, they would raise his hand at the shells game, raise his arm up, he got sent off for it and rightfully, rightfully so if he raised his arm, that's the that's what he has that's the punishment for it. He didn't punch him. But yesterday I saw a kid punch another kid. Like, that, that's, that, that, they're not seeing that in professional sport. I don't see that in the Premier League. Uh, mm. Nobody punches anybody mm. at that level of, of sport. It doesn't happen. But yeah, we have eight and nine-year-olds carrying on like this on a football field at the highest level, in my opinion, in, in, in the DDSL. And what, how, how are we going to address it? How, how is it addressed? And it's just not acceptable to me as somebody, as a, merely a spectator yesterday, to see an under-nine game abandoned. Now, I'm not saying that the game was abandoned for that specifically. There was obviously other things that happened when parents got on the pitch and obviously stuff was spoken about. And, and just to go back to Jerry on it as well, the two coaches were excellent in my opinion, the way they diffused the situation. Yes, it could have, could have got really nasty. Mm. Um, they did diffuse it and they've done their, really, their best. 
my piece of it is not about that. My piece about the players, the sportsmanship that is going out of the game and that needs to be addressed. And that's something that, thankfully, I've got a bit of a platform within the job I've got on the International Committee in the FAI to bring up these type of things and, and, and question people and say, look, where is sportsmanship built into our coaching qualifications for our coaches in regards to our education of our players? Sportsmanship needs to now become something that we talk about that it needs to be talked about to players. Mm. That it's part of the game. Because I think it's going over, Jerry. And yesterday is, 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 is a manifest of that. That's I just think now, you know, and I know the ethos behind this, getting them all to play, and, and they are the elite level, but there's loads, there's thousands of other children play this format too. And, you know, as you say, it's very tough to get referees with uh, what referees have faced in the past, and people don't want to get involved. But it seems to me that you just now, the day has come, sadly, and you saw it yesterday, there's got to be a referee there. You've got to question as well uh, the spectator parents' end of things. And I know they bring their kids to the games, and, you know, there's a lot of them involved with the team. There'll be no teams, only for parents give of the time voluntarily. Yeah, they, they do. And, and look, uh, I'd love to see a situation where, you know, in a lot of the, a lot of the teams, as you know, Jerry, a lot of the, the managers would have a son playing. That's how you can. That's the only way you can sort of get, you know, guys involved because they're, they're coming anyway because mm. their kid is playing. And I and I understand that. And the two coaches yesterday, just to say, were excellent with their players. The instruction I've seen, with, I saw from them, was really good. The, the the problem we we seem to have is just that piece that sportsmanship piece of it that that's the piece I'm, I'm about I'm about that respect I'm hugely about respect between our, our, the players I represent both male and female um, and I just I, at a really young age it worries me yesterday and that's why I decided to make a social media post and obviously I've spoken to a number of other journalists today and other radio stations in regards to my feelings on, on what I saw mm. and it, Jerry it, it's easy not to say anything just walk away and say ah just football no it's not just football it's not, not acceptable like, we can all watch things and think ah I have a position where I can where I can affect it to a certain extent, and that isn't that isn't good enough to me. That is not good enough. And 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 from from my point of view, I have a position to be able to speak about it. Come on your show and say anybody who's involved in coaching or involved in football clubs, please try and bring that sportsmanship piece of it with you into your club. Please ensure that that's the core of the values that you have at your football club. Now we all know that things happen in games, and we all know that the players and on. Like, what I don't want to see is, is a kid getting struck, another kid hitting him back. There's, there's times where when you play, you play the game fair and you play the game hard, but ultimately respect the guy you're playing against. Because without him, you cannot play. Yeah, and that is so true. If we don't have, you know, games, well, what's the point of all this? You know what I mean? There, there's, there's no point to this at all. It, it's about, you're 100% right, I endorse everything you say, but I, I, I commend you because you were neutral there yesterday. You had no axe to grind with anybody. You just happened to be at this game and you were honest in what you said. And a lot of people might not have done that altogether and you've highlighted an issue here that's very important. I take it the DDSL will, you know, address this and the clubs, yes? Yeah, I, I, I take it because my only worry when you're leaving there is no referee, there's no referee's report. Yes. And in fairness, I spoke to, to, to one of the coaches last night on the phone who rang me in, and in fairness, he, he, he explained to me fully what had happened afterwards, which obviously I wasn't privy to, which was, there was lots of stuff said on the soil, and I, and I respect him as, as a coach, and I respect the other coach as well. So I, I get that. I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about the respect of the players. Yeah. That's my that was my piece of it. Yes. And and I want to see at a really young age that drilled into kids that that your first reaction is not to hit another kid. That's not your reaction. You, you, that is one hundred percent not your not your reaction. Your reaction to it needs to be better than that. First of all, the other kids shouldn't have struck them, but the reaction from the other kids has to be better than that. It just yeah. has to be, and that's what we got to teach our kids. Yeah. And uh, and there needs to be ramifications when there's no referee there. 
there needs to be ramifications for kids who don't carry on the, in the right manner. Like they, they, they have to be told that if you don't, here, here's the principles of this football club. You don't honour them. Like I played at home farm where if you didn't do things right at that club, if, if you, we had a set of principles that if you didn't stick by, well, yes. you were gone like from the football club. That's it. You, you can go and play in our sport. Here's the principles. Here's the code that we stick by, and that's what you've got to do. I, um, I hear what you're saying, and we all do as well. Listen, I have to leave it there today. You're very good. Thank you for joining me, Stephen, and wish you well with everything. Thanks, I'll talk to you soon. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. That's Stephen. McGuinness there, former Dundalk player, General Secretary of the PFAI, at an under nine game yesterday that Emily broke out at had to be abandoned. One more than one child punched another and it just all kicked off. What do you think? Have you have anything to say? The Northeastern County School Boys Girls League use facilitators, Jerry, at the non competitive coaching leagues. These are usually teenagers, some of whom progress to be referees. The big problem with the Dublin District School Boy League is all the under seven to under eleven football is competitive when it should be just for fun at that age, says Jerry from Navin. Thank you. And Anne says it's down to the parents, Jerry. And um, more comments coming to me there. I'll get back to them. Louise, you go to football matches. Do the parents get too anxious at times, do you think? Uh, I haven't really seen it, to be honest, to be completely honest. And you'd, yeah. you'd hear people giving out at sidelines, but yes. not so vociferous that other parents are hearing it or, or yeah. that kind of thing. Excitement, you'd say, would you, uh, for the yeah, most I part? Think, I think some parents might kind of think that they're experts. Yes, oh, well, that's and, you for know, sure. <laughs> yeah. But I, I actually, no, I haven't. Heard. No, you wouldn't have seen anything like or that, that in the no, abandonment or viciousness. I'm actually shocked or, on that at the mm, under nine, like yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. It is. It's 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 really worrying. It's really concerning. It's it, awful. It is. It is indeed. And I hope the parents, you know, the parents of the children involved gave them a good talking to, and that it wasn't the parents of the children involved mm. that got involved. Then <laughs> what about parents being put in a cage? Well, as long as you give me coffee. <laughs> You'd be happy with that, yeah. I know. I do like. I do like watching the games. Yeah, I know, yeah. and, and, and the I understand. Kids that. Like, like, yeah, it's like their, their parents, parents there. So yeah. It'd be it'd be shocking if it came to that, wouldn't it? Mm. That if parents couldn't go, Jerry, I attend uh, many many senior matches. I have a massive grow for GAA and all things GAA. I have to be honest. Let's just say I get quite vocal, passionate at games. Well, don't we all? But recently, I have noticed on the sidelines a lot of personal insults and spitting and I just can't abide that we can be passionate while being respectful banter is part and parcel once it doesn't cross a certain line I admire that comment and I really like it thank you so much for sending that to us because that applies to all sports where spectators are there cheering on their teams that on the uh, back of Stephen McGuinness telling us about an under nine soccer match being abandoned yesterday uh, that he was at with players striking each other and bedlam breaking out afterwards shocking isn't it to contemplate thanks indeed there are more comments there I'll come back to them I promise you but on late lunch today we're going to get woolly for a while yes we are because I'm joined by the uh, founder of uh, the Woolen School, and I'm delighted to say hello to Lorna McCormick. Hi, Lorna. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Thanks for having me on today. Not at all. Well, what is Wool in School, please? Yes, well, Woolen School is, uh, we've been in business for the last four years, and it is about bringing an education element to uh, children about learning about the properties and benefits of wool. So we very much focus on Irish wool, obviously being an Irish business, and we use, um, and again, we're a lot of Irish businesses and Donegal Yarns as well for our knitting kits. But it is about um, showing children why wool is important for climate change. So it's linking in with their curriculum 
um, with uh, different different areas in the, the curriculum. So not just the knitting, the education element for our wool to you box that goes out to schools where children can explore wool literally from fleece up to the different textiles that come from wool. So it is all about education. It is and also cultural and heritage as well, which is so important here in Ireland. And wool has so many things going for it, hasn't it? Oh my God, it, well, it, it's endless, the benefits and properties of wool. that has so much potential that we really need to be starting to tap into the resource that we have here in Ireland. We have so much wool, so much sheep. And I know that children, and this is one of the reasons why we, we bring wool education to children, because they're so innovative and they're so creative. And that's what we want children to be creative with the Irish wool that we have abundance of here in Ireland. Sustainable, UV resistant, hyperallergenic, flame resistant, eco-friendly and biodegradable. Is there any downside to this material? Well, to be honest, you're asking the wrong person because I say no. <laughs> no, there's not. I know. <laughs> you know, it's it's a it's an amazing um, fibre. You know, and the, the wool comes from so many different sheep. We have so many different sheep here in Ireland, and we have alpaca fibre as well. So the properties that wool has, I mean, it's a natural fibre and sustainable fibre as opposed to synthetic fibres. So I keep telling children that we have to start considering and be more eco-conscious about the clothes that we're buying, about the resources that we're using in our crafts, looking at natural fibres and wool is the top of my list when it comes to natural fibres, especially, you know, when we come to fast fashion and we think of, consider the the pollutants that are going into uh, our marine environments because of fast fashion so it, 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 we tap into a lot of different elements to encourage children to actually see wool as um, I know I suppose it's important that children see farming on the soil as well as an understanding why that's important so that they have the connection between you know the farmers and the clothes that they wear mm. you know yeah, it's so it's it's a really uh, worthy, I have to say, uh, thing to do, and to bring it into schools in, in an educational yeah. context it is so important because the benefits are absolutely huge. They they really are, and you know, children are eager. They're always eager. You know, they're they're sponges to learn. They, and when they take in, they'll understand. Actually, what you said there earlier on, it's more than just about knitting, isn't it? It permeates so many other aspects of life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it is. And it's about, um, it, it is more about knitting. So it's about getting children to understand what they have in their hands, you know, understanding yeah. where does that come from? Okay, they may have the knowledge, yes, it comes from the sheep, but they need to understand the whole process, the whole pathway of where the wool came from and the hard work that is done by the farmers here in Ireland, you know, or anywhere else in any other country as well. Um, so that they can see and understand that process and understand the importance that everybody has you know, a part to play when it comes to wool. And, you know, the farmers have their part to play, the consumer has their part to play, and the children now have their part to play. And their, their, I suppose, for them is to be just conscious um, about, you know, what they're using, use it in the right way. Um, if, if there's yard and bombing or anything like that, you see that a lot. Maybe use sustainable fibres, mm. kind of think about what they're using. So it's just been conscious creatives is what we encourage, you know, with children mm. as well. Um, so, 
you give us a great yeah. lesson, may I say. You have a lovely website, by the way. I want to say oh, that to you. You have a very uh, e- easy to use, user-friendly website. But I was looking at your, your sheep and the types of sheep and the wool as yeah. well. God, they're fascinating. I was educated even le- looking at it myself. From Galway to Kerry Hill, Llewellyn to Balwyn, Welsh Mountain, Merino and Blue-Faced Leicester. God, you have an international tribe. <laughs> yeah, we do. Don't you there? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, we've covered everywhere, but I mean, we do have a lot of these sheep here in Ireland, and mm. I, I know there's probably more to go on the list, you know. Yes. Um, and uh, this is this is the thing that that we have so much wool in Ireland, so many sheep, and you know th- there needs to be a bit more of a duality in a sense when it comes to sheep farming, you know. So yes. unfortunately, wool is not getting what it used to get years ago. Mm. So again that duality needs to be looked at um, again and how farmers can benefit from that uh, because wool is, is still classed as a waste product, unfortunately. Oh, so, no. Uh, which, you know, from our side of things and then trying to educate children about the benefits and properties and the, 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 the uses of wool and then it being classed as a waste product is really just something that has to change. And so, you know, farmers need to be getting a bit more for the wool and you know, the, the way it's all processed needs to be looked at as well. So there's there's so much to be done and, and so much potential when it comes to the sheep and the, the wool that we have here. Yes. And so many innovative ideas that will be coming up, I'm sure, from the children when we go into schools, because that's something we very much encourage. Yeah, and what you, you see, what, what has happened really in this, as you say, fast fashion world and everything, synthetic mm-hmm. fibre has, you know what I mean, really come to dominate. And um, don't, I'm not saying that wool is not involved in garment making and, and, and stuff like that, but you know what I'm talking about. That has really yeah. ruled the roost now for some time and it is time to have a good look and think about this again. So just to come back to you and wool in school, again, you're, is it just an educational thing? You know, is that your ethos really? Our, yes, our ethos it is to it is to educate and it is to teach and as, again the knitting is very much a big part on it because we like children to link in um, with the nursing homes as part of intergenerational projects yep. through their schools um, so that they're learning from older people they're learning from family or they're learning from grandparents how to knit it's something that we don't want to lose the culture of and heritage of our knitting. And because knitting is not taught in schools, so that is very much on top of our list as well. So we kind of try to um, integrate both the Wool to You programme so that children are learning about wool and then learning how to knit. Now, either there, there's no cart before the horse, one can, the, one can come before the other so they can do the knitting first and then learn about what they've been using or they can do the Wool to You box learn about the wool, learn the benefits and the properties and then do the knitting. And the knitting then just brings it on a whole new level and a community level as well. So we're working with Kildare and uh, Donegal at the moment. So we have about, uh, let me add, we've got about 400 participants in Kildare knitting and there will be an exhibition on their knitting soon. Um, And then in Donegal we have 375 Terrific. Terrific. So, but, 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 but I do know that, you know, the pandemic, you know, gave this a great shot in the arm. Uh, you know, you know, people, you know, when we were tied down and with not things to do, people who had the needles traditionally took them up again. And, and I'd be hopeful to think maybe you can verify this, that it got a bounce then that will continue and can be developed. 
Yes, definitely. There's been a huge trend in knitting yeah. now. That everybody seems to be taking up the needles. And I think people start to recognize the, the benefits of knitting, like the mindfulness end of knitting. And that is something as well that we tap into the schools because it's so important that, you know, that time out is taken off the phones, off the games, you know. So knitting is doing so many, has so many benefits and mindfulness is probably one of the best reasons why, um, you know, th- th- it came on trend during COVID because everybody needed a bit of an es- escape and uh, a bit of activity and creation. You know, we all wanted to start yes. connecting and, they, and that connections, I feel, is something that's where our intergenerational project came out because we wanted to create those connections between older older adults and children again through the magic of knitting. That's basically the way we say it, you know, because it's that invisible thread that connects children and adults together and we feel knitting is that thread, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm familiar with the clack of the needles because my wife um, loves knitting and she's been knitting profusely for the four grandchildren <laughs> and uh, you know it's lovely what you can turn out with a set of needles that is bespoke and nobody else will have similar you know that's the great benefit too absolutely and it's and it's creative and yeah. i think knitters get great pride on knitting something for somebody else you know and mm. it's a whole process i suppose as well and handing over something that you've knitted there's nothing like it, you know, and no. there's nothing like getting um, something that's been personally made that you know somebody spent these particular hours knitting a garment for you. There's there's nothing like it, you yeah, know, yeah. and um, I think it's something to be treasured. Um, and uh, to be honest, my own mother is constantly knitting for me and she just <laughs> she's a f- fantastic knitter. So I have a quite a few jumpers, you know, and I love that when she, you know, she's been working hard on a jumper and same with my mother-in-law, actually, I have no way. <laughs> I have plenty of knitters around me. Um, You're surrounded in beautiful garments. Do, do, do you knit yourself? Do you knit yourself, I, Alorna? I, I do, I do knit. I'm not the best knitter. I do knit. Yeah, I'm, I come, I'm more of a, I'm a fibre artist, so I scope yes, wool. Yes. But I do knit. I do like to sit down and uh, knit blankets and I'm, I'm, I'm a devil for having uh, throws on me, you know. So I do, I'm a, a the cowl um, uh, scarf and things like that. I'm not great at uh, the jumper end, you know. Mm. <laughs> That's mm. something I have to but work listen, on. anyway, so there's loads well, of time to learn yeah, that down the road. <laughs> so there is, there exactly. surely is indeed. <laughs> but, but uh, uh, there's nothing more beautiful than a home knit and in different colours and patterns, etc. Uh, everybody loves them. And I do know that wool shops are very popular places around uh, this region in the northeast as well. And long may that continue, that they're busy mm-hmm. and people, they love going to them and buying the different wools and patterns, etc. So for anyone listening today who wants to find out more about you or perhaps there's a school listing that would like to touch base with you or in any aspect of wool. Um, and I said touch base again and my producers after pointing at me I'm not supposed to say that word during Lent that's another two euro now I owe the pot (laughs) it's worth it to be talking to you today about the wall I have to say anyway tell them where they can find out more about you Yes, they can just uh, get onto our website. It's just woolinschool.com and all our information is there and our, our contact details as well, plus uh, my own phone numbers. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. 
Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. There, so I'm contactable anytime to ask any, you know, any questions. We do have a lot of schools kind of starting, and community groups who are starting to, you know, wanting to come to do the intergenerational project specifically, you know, so we can... Um, you know, link in with any community group at all or any school at all. Yes, so if you feel it's for your community group, for your school, any intergenerational project, this website is for you. Lorna McCormick wants to help you and guide you and uh, the advice, as I say, on the website and more besides is terrific. It, no more excuses. Nothing is woolly. Wool in school. Oh, Wool in school. You, Jerry. Check <laughs> it out. Lovely to talk to you today, Lorna. Thank you, Jerry, and you. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Wool, you can't beat it. There's nothing like it. There really isn't. That's a fabulous website, and uh, so much can be done. And it's a shame to hear that it's a, a byproduct or it's cast aside, isn't it? Such a wonderful resource with all the sheep we have in this country. Got to look at it. It's a sustainable it is biodegradable it's uv resistant you name it wool is simply terrific late lunch lmfm radio i'm away to see is there a pair of needles here somewhere back in a minute Confectioner, please give me Toblerone. Oh, I remember that ad so well. Do you, Louise? No, you don't. No, no you don't. Triangular chocolate from triangular trees and triangular honey from triangular bees. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Toblerone, it's not the same, is it? It's not going to be the same. Or is it going to be the same? The chocolate is going to be the same. Okay, so let's clarify that. the packaging isn't going to be the same. Right, the packaging is being changed because they're leaving Switzerland. Well, partly. And they're going to produce in Slovakia. Mm -hmm. So the Swiss government are very particularly, particularly, pernickety about this, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Because there's a picture of the Matterhorn on the Toblerone box, Tube, yeah. which there's a bear within, isn't yeah. there as well? There's a bear within. If you look Once at you it see the carefully, bear, you, can't you see, see it. it. And it's something to do with Bern in Switzerland, the bear. Anyway, 
they can't use the Matterhorn anymore because no. the Swiss government, it must be made in Switzerland exclusively. Yes. To use. Am I right? Yes. They are. That's bad. I'm happy with that. Perfectly right. Yes. <laughs> so they're just going to use a generic um, mountain. Mountain. It's Bob, not the Matterhorn. It's Bob Ross probably painted <laughs> this evening. I and presume they'll leave the bear. Well, maybe, maybe not. You we, know, bear we, isn't just specific to... No, but it, I I think it falls within the shape, though, of the mountain on the Toblerone box. Yeah. Do you like Toblerone? Love Toblerone. So do I. Mm. I love that honey when it breaks, when you when you just let the chocolate melt and you just feel the honey. Oh. It's just in your like mouth, the, the explosion. It's lovely. Nut oh, one as well. It's I, in a purple tube. There's a fruit and nut Toblerone, isn't yes. there? I must get one. I've mm, never tasted yummy. it. I've never tasted a fruit. And, and I love fruit and nut chocolate. But after Lent, I'll keep one for after Lent, which oh, I'm yeah. not partaking in at the moment. I, I'll have to. That'll be my first taste. Fruit and nut, please God, Toblerone. Are they available all the time, the fruit and nut Toblerone? I think so. Uh, don't know. I know I'd seen them a lot around. There's Christmas. a white one as well, isn't there? Yeah. White There's chocolate. A, would dark you like chocolate. that? Would you like the no. white chocolate one? No. Dark chocolate one? I don't think so. The milk chocolate one mm, is the, the is ordinary the one, one. And and they 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 made a big divide between the triangles yeah. at one stage, didn't they? But do you remember years ago, you, you could hardly even get your finger in between the, to break you're it. You're right. But now, out. like there's like there's loads, loads of room, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, tons of it. What's that about? Less chocolate. I think it's less chocolate. Yeah. Mm. They say less weight, so less chocolate, less weight. Mm. Well, I, I, well, I've got to taste that fruit and nut. I have to taste it in the Toblerone. But there you are, Toblerone making changes to their packaging because they're moving part of their production to Slovakia. Oh, Louise, I just have my feet barely back on the ground today after Saturday. Mm. Oh, oh, my God, Louise. Such a match that Arsenal it's game was. a lot was. packed into one day. Though. Oh, my God. You know, when you're flying over yeah, flying day back. trip. It's, I'm still tired, to be honest with you. But it was worth every hour we spent. It was just lovely. We were up at the ground early, had a lovely breakfast in a cafe in London as well, there near to the ground. And you wouldn't believe the amount of people who go into the grounds or around the grounds early before the games. Okay. Oh, my God, the amount of people. They bring their sandwiches and Ah, well, <laughs> no sandwiches and flasks. You have to find a cafe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what a match. You couldn't script it. You couldn't have scripted the way the game went and Arsenal to win. But you know what I'm going to say today? I'm going to say this on air today. I really hope Arsenal win the Premier League this year. But I have a feeling they won't. I mean that. Haven't You've watched been saying them. that for weeks. Yeah, haven't watched them again on Saturday. I just have a feeling that Man City have that bit more about them and that they'll just win, win, win till the end of the season. And I just... You're doing an opposite thing, as my daughter would say, are you? No, I'm... You're saying I'm, I'm, they won't, but secretly in the back oh, of your head... Oh, listen, my heart, my heart hopes, if it survives, my heart hopes that they do win it. But my head says, you know, watching what's going on. But let's see. Anyway, thank God I'm not a Manchester United fan today. Ouch, <laughs> ouch, ouch, ouch. And Liverpool fans are just cock a today after that 7-0. But I'll remind so Liverpool fans. Yeah, I'd say United fans are hiding today. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's one of those things. I wouldn't get carried away too much either if I were Liverpool because they've been going through a sticky enough patch. They were hammered recently by Real Madrid in the Champions League 5-2. They have to play them again in the second leg and they haven't been going so good in the league but they're back now in contention for a European place and they'll be hoping yesterday is a stepping stone for them anyway Arsenal have to go to Anfield yet see what I'm saying mm. they do won't be an easy one for them They're no easy games anyway on the run in in the championship but a day to remember for sure late lunch LMFM radio from Toblerone from our chocolate Louise we love our grub in here don't we yep. we're moving from chocolate to crisps stay with us on late lunch 
No, I didn't forget it in case you thought I did. Yes, your word on Monday, your place name in the North East that we want you to pronounce. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp me a voicer. Here is your Monday misplaced pronunciation. This is the place this Monday. Listen carefully. I'll say it only once. S-E-N-E-S-C-H-A-L-S-T-O-W-N. That's the place name I want you to pronounce today. S-E-N-E-S-C-H-A-L-S-T-O-W-N. Can you pronounce it properly? 086-1800-658. Send me in a WhatsApp voice or, and we'll have a listen to what you're saying about that place that's, of course, in County Meath. Now, we were talking about Toblerone a few moments ago. God, I love late lunch because we love all this type of stuff. We're moving on to crisps next, and I'm delighted to say hello to someone I remember meeting at the very start of his adventure here on the show. Tom Kyo, Chief Executive of Kyo's Crisps, is on the line. Hi, Tom. Jerry, good afternoon. Great to be speaking to you again. How are you keeping? I'm keeping well, and I know you are too by all reports. What's this? You need 18 million potatoes this year to meet demand. Are you going to get them? Oh, we will. We will. Yeah, yeah. 18 million people, I suppose, uh, in context, 18 million potatoes is actually not a huge amount. Right. Um, You know, the fresh side of our business here that supplies the supermarkets with fresh potatoes would use an awful lot more than that. Would you? Um, yeah. yeah. So to, to give you an idea, um, a, a, a pan-sized potato probably is about one crisp bag. Right. Give you, give you an idea of, of the requirements for each each bag of crisp. Okay. So 18 million potatoes at a size equals 18 million bags. 18 million bags, roughly, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of bags. A lot of eating in 18 million bags. <laughs> it is, Tom. It's a lot of crisps. It really, really is. But anyway, so look, that's not a big issue. You're going to get those. And when you context that, well, then it's quite obvious. You're all right. And again, remind me, what's your favourite variety for making the crisps? Oh, potato. Um, well, yeah. believe it or not, it changes throughout the year. So um, probably without giving away too much trade secrets, yeah. Uh, We'd use a variety called Lady Rosetta uh, uh, from the first week in August. Um, and that's a really early maturing variety. Um, makes a really nice crisp, fresh from the field, which is really important because there's very, very few varieties you could crisp directly from the land. Lady Rosetta is one of those. And we would use that variety from early August right the way through to the end of September. And we'd harvest and crisp and harvest and crisp a lot of the times on the same day. And then that's the end of the Lady Rosetta. After that, then we'd we'd move on to a variety called Lady Claire mm. and Mira, and uh, again, beautiful flavour in 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 the potato. Uh, we don't grow it for yield; uh, it's not a fantastic yielder. But when it comes to flavour, it's 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 divine. Yes, and we would use we would use that variety right up until about February. It's, mm. it's, we just we just we just stopped on one of those varieties now. And then we come in towards the end of the season and we use a variety called Kibitz, which uh, yields terribly, uh, but makes beautiful crisps towards the end of the season. And we would use that right up until the end of July, makes a beautiful crisp directly out of store. So it's about, about four, four to five uh, varieties yes. we'd use. And then generally speaking, we'd have about three or four varieties, trial varieties, you know, being developed in the background all the time. And and does the the taste change with the variety of the potato? Is there a slight nuance, you know, between each of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Now, it, it, I suppose from a consumer point of view, the fact that there's so much seasoning on on, on a lot of the flavors, you yeah. probably wouldn't get that. 
But if you tried our lightly salted product that uses the the, the sea salt from the Bear Peninsula there, um, that that's a very, very light salt. And you can actually taste the flavor, the potato flavor in the background. So you would notice that. You'd also notice textures. A Lady Rosetta potato would make a far softer crisp, where a Kibitz would make a far harder crisp. Mm. So you'd actually see it in the texture of the, of the potato. So there's, there's a lot to it. There's plenty of books have been wrote on the subject. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, I hear it there. Every time you say it, your commitment to taste and quality is to be really, really admired. But look at where you've gone. What have you, you've had 100 people working for you now, Tom? Uh, snack food side of the business here, we've about 100 people. Yeah, um, all, like from Drogheda all the way all the way to Swords, uh, employed in the local area here, working in the business. And then on the fresh potato and farming end, we've about another 50. So we've about 150 people. Wow. Um, five family members here running the whole lot. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, that's, that's, that's enjoyable. And some of the discussions and arguments might be having over the various different aspects. But, um, it keeps, keeps us all busy and uh, it's continuing to grow, which, which, is, which is really great. And you've been in the news recently about this big investment on a new greenfield production facility next year. Uh, yeah, well, maybe not just next year, but definitely in the next couple of years, um, we will be uh, expanding uh, beyond the site here on, on the family farm. We, we, we've identified the site here just really across the road. Uh, which is actually st- sorry, still on the family farm, but, but away from the current production buildings. So we're going to start fresh. Uh, we're, we, we've, we've kind of reached capacity here when it comes to a square foot space point of view. So we, we need more space. And, you know, there's lots of different products we'd like to make in the future outside of uh, crisps. So we need, we need space to do that. And we need additional space to keep ahead of the growth in, in the business. Um, so lo- very much looking forward to that Um to, to start in that process, perhaps next year uh, we might be we mm. might be turning turn the first sod. Let, let's see. Good stuff. It's, it's just mm. all good news all round, Tom. And and as regards, like let's come back to the crisps, which we love so much, and of course you do popcorn as well, uh, wonderfully. But on the crisps and say popcorn side, your route to market, you can. I was in this morning having a look at your website. You can buy your crisps online. You sell them out through the retail uh, outlets. You have big contracts with the airlines: Ryanair, Singapore, Aer Lingus, Lufthansa, and Emirates. My God Almighty! Um, and and you know you have many mu- multiple routes to market how much business do you get on the online shop online is very small yeah um to, to be honest it is it is a small part of our business it peaks at seasonal periods like just before christmas or around valentine's day or even st patrick's day now in the next week or two uh, we will do seasonal boxes and they'll sell very very well uh, what's very interesting is that we opened up the overseas capability of our online store uh, just after Christmas or early in the new year. Mm. And we're now starting to get some nice orders coming in from the USA, mainland Europe and, and the UK. So it was something we were probably kind of forced to do with the, with the first pandemic, the first lockdown, was to, to open the, the, the online store. And because uh, a, a lot of people were looking for our products and they were selling out in the stores. So we got the online store up and running, but it's something that has continued to to perform perform nicely. But as as I suppose as a percentage of the business, it's very very small. 
Mm. But overseas is interesting and I think it's high potential. Oh, f- sure it has. And when they get to taste them, my God, they'll be back for more. I was just looking at your range on the Christner and you mentioned seasonal there, the shamrock and sour cream. And of course, you have the Guinness uh, and flame grill steak, which I haven't managed to taste yet myself. But when you look at the straight cut versus the crinkle cut, how is that breaking down for you? Um, crinkle cut is the fastest growing sector of our entire business and I think it's the fastest growing area of the, of the total Irish crisp market is crinkle cut uh, it's performing very very well uh, we launched our first crinkle cut product I think in around 2016 and it's grown extremely well ever since um, just last year we uh, we were very very lucky the guys in, in Guinness approached us to do a flavour and we we launched the Guinness and Flame Grill Steak as part of the Crinkle range. And then last summer, we actually added a seasonal Guinness and Oyster flavour, which was very interesting. Mm. And um, just to, to, so your listeners know, a lot of those kind of more niche artisan flavours that they may not see in the Irish retailers, they can source them online on the farm shop here where we'll cook them fresh for, for their order. Irish whiskey barbecue that certainly uh, pricked up my interest for sure but look when you go back to the old cheese and onion I don't mean that the fantastic cheese and onion the Atlantic yeah. sea salt and cider vinegar I take it and, and the salted they're the big ones are they? They're the big ones in Ireland but believe it or not overseas is completely different Right. So to, to, to give you an idea in the American market our biggest seller is truffle and Irish butter Um. It's a real unique flavour, and and the, Irish, the American consumers have gone crazy for it. Sells extremely well, and a close second is actually that whiskey barbecue that you just mentioned. Yeah, and that's a that's a Teeling's whiskey and 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 barbecue sauce, and absolutely beautiful flavour. And behind that, believe it or not, it's a flavour that's not even available in Ireland. It's the, the Cashel Blue Cheese. Um, and that's those three flavours are actually our three top top selling flavours in the USA. Oh, the Cashel Blue, Tom. I can only mm. imagine. My God, blue cheese is just yeah. something else and incorporated into the crisp bag as well. How long does it take? I remember talking to you this in the past. When you get your potatoes and you slice them or whatever and in they go to the machine, how long are they cooked for actually in the vat? Um, from slice to rake, that's what we call it, from start to finish, is about seven and a half minutes. Right. Um, it can change by a few seconds to either batch because there's, there's a person there's a person there in the fryers and they kind of dictate when the batch finishes. But we, as a rule of thumb, we, we measure about seven and a half minutes. That's what we work from. Terrific. God, it doesn't take that long at all to create the magic. And do you add, do you add the flavours and then, of course, afterwards? That goes. We do. Well, from potato to crisp, from a, from a solid potato to a finished bag of crisps, leaving the line in, in, in the, the factory here on the farm takes nine minutes. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jerry. If you're, you'll be very, very welcome to call up with any day. Uh, listen, I'd be delighted I, to bring it. To I said it to you before, and I am. I'm putting that down on my list here. I'm an awful man for procrastinating. I'm not going to procrastinate <laughs> on that anymore. I am. Next time we're talking, it's on the ground with you. Is that okay? Well, I'm going to do welcome. that. I am committing yeah. to that. I really want to do because I loved when we met first and we've always uh, kept in touch uh, ever since. God, is there any, before we finish, is there any end to the flavours you can create in this business? There, there, there's no end. It, it literally, you know, any food flavour that you can think of, you can put onto crisps. Um, we've had some crazy inquiries over the years. But, but believe it or not, I had 
like it was one Chinese distributor asked us for octopus blood and seaweed flavour. That was the strangest we've ever been requested. <laughs> that is strange, Tom. I don't mean to laugh, but that's a strange one to an Irish person. Is it? But to them, I suppose, you know what I mean? They're looking for something they believe will go. Yeah. And again, as when you go around the world, the flavour profiles change. And then you get some really, you know, off the ball ones. We made a flavour for Jedward, if you remember Jedward years ago. I do indeed. Their, their favourite food was uh, breakfast cereal bar. And we made a breakfast cereal bar flavoured crisp. And I have to say, it actually tastes really nice. <laughs> yeah. So you, this thing, you know, you often hear competitions to come up with a new flavour and that the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. So if anyone has thoughts on that today, who knows, your flavour could be within a bag of crisps at some stage in the future. Tom Kyo's favourite crisp, what flavour for you? Oh, for me, it is our crinkle cut salt and vinegar. There is just something about David Llewellyn from Lusk and his apple, uh, his apple uh, balsamic vinegar that just works with with the salt in our crisps, yeah. and it's just amazing. It's 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 a unique flavour. Um, no other salt and vinegar will taste like it. Uh, we don't use any type of chemicals or sodium deacetates. It's all a natural blend of of of, of vinegars that actually make up that kick to that salt and vinegar flavour, mm-hmm. and it's it's a really special flavour. It's beautiful. There's no doubt about it. Keep creating the magic. Good luck to you. Wonderful to hear that you're going so well. And next time, on the ground, up there, you and me. You'd be very welcome, Terry. I look forward to it. Tom, thanks a million. Thanks for joining me on the show there. That's Tom Kyo, CEO of the wonderful Kyo's Crisps. S-E-N-E-S-C-H-A-L-S-T-O-W-N. Are you pronouncing it properly or are you misplaced pronunciation this place? Let's have a listen to what you're saying. Hi, Jerry. It's Centrestown. Oh, maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. Have we another one there, Louise? Let's have a listen. It's called Centrestown. Hmm, that's say that's very near the mark. Another one, have we one more? Hiya, Jerry. That would be Centralstown. Oh, I like that one. I think that's nearly on the mark. And we have another group that you've put together there. Let's have a listen to listen to these ones. These are great. Here we go. Senoshalstown. Centralstown. Centralstown. Senna Shulstown. Centralstown. Senna Skalston. Centralstown. I don't think that's ringing a bell with the people who live in this place, but a young woman who knows the place well is from there and is going to clarify how to say S-E-N-E-S-C-H-A-L-S-T-O-W-N is the wonderful Anna Clark. Hello again, Anna. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Are you teaching plenty of people, coaching away? I am. I'm PTing away. Yeah, yeah. Busy out. Good on you. Well, you come from S-E-N-E-S-C-H-A-L-S-T-O-W-N. Will you give us, please, on late lunch, LMFM today, the definitive pronunciation? I do, and it's Centralstown. <laughs> Thank you so much. They didn't do bad. You were listening to them there. You know, there were a few. I was, yeah. I had a bit of a laugh. That's yeah, you know. like that. Yeah, and you know, when you see it, Anna, when you see it written down as I'm looking at it now, you could mispronounce it very easily, couldn't you? Oh, 100%. I think I was mispronouncing it for a very good few of my early years. <laughs> were you? 
<laughs> because it, it is that type of word. And I'm sure you've heard many people as well not getting it right either. Oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely when you see it, when you see it on the signs, you would definitely mispronounce it for sure. Mm. So tell me today, I love to talk to people from these areas that we pick that people can't pronounce properly. What's great about Sensualstown? I think we're just a really tight-knit community and everyone's just so supportive of each other and it's really, really nice. It doesn't matter what age you are, everyone just really comes together and it's just a really nice atmosphere and community to be a part of. Well, 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 they are going to love you in Central's turn, Anna Clark, because you've just given it the biggest shot in the uh, shot in the arm uh, ever. And explain to people, because, you know, we're broadcasting to a wide area today and well outside the northeast as well. Where is it? Pinpointed for us, please. So it's just outside um, Navan area and it'd be more on the lane side going towards, say, and um, the Drogheda region. So we're about 10 minutes outside Navan. So we're right in the country. Yeah, so you have the benefit of the country and you're beside the big metropolis in Navan there to pop in and do all your, your business, etc. It is, I'm familiar with it, it's a lovely part of the world. It's a lovely neck of the woods, isn't it? It is, and it's just it's just on the River Boyne as well. So it's really, really nice. You can go for your walks and then, of course, we have our pitch and everything. So... Yeah, no, it's a lovely area to be part of. Oh, you have a great football club there, that's for sure. We, good job you mentioned that. I'd have been in trouble if I hadn't yeah, yeah. mentioned... I'd have to get that in there. <laughs> and if I hadn't have mentioned the GAA club, I'd been shot altogether. I know, altogether. they having so. words with me now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what side your, your bread is buttered on, for sure. Anyway, since we were talking at the beginning of January, you were telling us about you and, and, and all you do, and all going well for you, Anna. Everything is going absolutely fantastic. I'm just after launching um, another intake there of my Gym Conscious to Confidence. So it's going really, really well. And yeah, yeah, everything's going great. Thanks for asking, Gary. No wonder uh, everybody's looking so well in Sensualstown, I have to say, with Anna Clark at the helm. Anyway, you're really good to talk to us on the show today. Thank you so much. And I wish you well with everything. Thanks so much, Jerry. Chatting. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. That's the lovely Anna Clark there from Sensualstown. S E N E S C H A L S T O W N. Louise, you're a stickler for your spellings and your words. And when you do look at that on the sheet there, you could give it a, a wrong twist altogether, couldn't you? Especially with that second E. E. Mm-hmm. You could say Seneschalstown, which or somebody said. Yeah, Seneschalstown, <laughs> which somebody said on the pronunciations. But thank you to our others there as well, sent us invoices. We do appreciate it. We've got them, and most of the rest of you are certainly on the money. So Centralstown in focus on late lunch this afternoon. Yeah, they're they're doing well, aren't they? They're getting them all. Oh, listen. We'll have to come up with a truly tricky one. We're going to have to have a look across Louth and Mead for another spot or two that's going to fox them over the coming weeks on this Monday misplaced nunciation. I'll tell you, I find it harder to say <laughs> the misplaced nunciation, yeah. <laughs> I think, than any of the places that we've come up with. Anyway, we're, well, it's a great name. Yeah, it is indeed. Anyway, we're heading to top of the hour on late lunch. And after three, I will bring you a brand new top five countdown. And we hear from, yes, our Sinead, Burke's banter. But heading towards three, it's a classic from Miss Tracy Chapman. Timeless, brilliant. Yes, this song absolutely is. Sorry. Time for this on Late Lunch. Five, four, three, two, 
One. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... This week, this very week in 2004. And the number five, of course, I play for you on the Monday. And I'm so delighted to play this one for you because it's from her ninth studio album called Body Language. Oh yeah, Body Language indeed, released in 2003. And the track I'm playing today is described as a highlight from the album. Yes, Red-Blooded Woman entered the UK singles chart at number five, becoming Kylie Minogue's 26th top 10 hit on the UK singles chart. And what a record she has there. Anyway, my number five from this week in 2004. Here's Kylie. Yes, number five in my top five countdown from this week in 2004. It's Miss Kylie Minogue. My God, she's a red-blooded woman. I've seen her perform that at a number of concerts I went to. God Almighty, it was nearly like Arsenal scoring the goal in the last minute <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> It'd test your old heart. It certainly would. Anyway, Kylie, number five in the charts from this week in 2004. And of course, we'll count down to Friday for three, two and one from this week. When you think of that, 2004, it's almost 20 years ago. My God, doesn't time just hurtle by? It certainly does. We are going to take a final break on this Monday afternoon of a brand new week and late lunch and afterwards we'll be back with the brilliant Sinead Burke. The young lad's parent-teacher meetings were on the other week. It was a big day for the family, as due to restrictions, neither Mr Burke nor I were allowed next door near the place during his first year at the school. Tensions were high. In the days leading up to it, the boy in question had several times boldly walked into the kitchen with all the defensiveness of Boris Johnson explaining that even though you can't buy a tomato in England at the moment, Brexit had actually been a magnificent success. Our son, channeling this self-righteous but slightly panicking energy and using the kitchen island as a makeshift podium, issued several statements about what we might hear back from his teachers. These pronouncements started along the lines of, so I'll just tell you this, and usually ended with, and so that's why it wasn't my fault. But just in case teacher mentions it, I thought I'd better tell you. The transgressions were minor, but it did supply us with some rare intelligence into school life of a 14-year-old. Just between us now, all the vaping goes on in the non-binary toilets, and you can buy a vape in there for €10, and there's a definite pecking order on who is allowed to sit where in the canteen. So gender identity politics aside, and swap vapes for Rotmans, it's good to know that some things are still the same. Ah, he's a good child in fairness to him. But me and Mr Burke were still nervous. We weren't worried about what the teachers thought of the gossip. We were worried about what they would think of us. Our son and heir had made a brave effort over his first year and a half of secondary school at being a pretty respectable ambassador for the family. Now it was up to us not to let him down. 
It was time for us to cosplay at being proper grown-ups for an evening. How hard could this be, we thought. We'd put on our most proper and clean clothes, show how organised we are by making a list of all the teachers and their subjects, and get in and out in under an hour. Oh, what naive and innocent fools we were. Four hours. It took four hours. Our carefully prepared list of teachers was as limply damp and crumpled as us by the end of it. We started off great guns. We asked questions and made notes during each meeting. We listened and nodded and said things like, well, we speak Irish at home all the time, you know. Or, yes, we've always encouraged him to pursue independent study on the properties of a nucleus. Thank God no one we knew was within earshot. But then the queues for each teacher seemed to get longer and the plastic chairs more uncomfortable and some internal bargaining began in our brains. I mean, he's grand at geography. Would it be the worst thing in the world to give that teacher a miss? We did get round them all at the end. But honest to God, by the time we reached French, I was starting to get distracted by the posters on the classroom walls instead of listening properly. Again, in retrospect... A nice nod back to my own school days. The final few interactions consisted of, so do you think he's happy? Is he a danger to himself or others? Will he be all right for the honours? Sound, well, we won't keep you. In the heel of the hunt, the child is doing grand. I still don't know what SPHE or CSPE is, but I think they may be connected with the old civics classes. What I do know is it's over for another year. And thankfully... I think we just scraped a pass. Oh, absolutely brilliant. What wonderful observations by our Sinead Burke. I'm sure many of you going to parent-teacher meetings can empathise with that. The bingo winners going to the next bingo with double books this Sunday, the 12th of March. Yeah, gates open 12. It's on from 3 o'clock. Our Bend on Paddy Feehan, Orla Mead, uh, Martina Martin and Imelda Farrell. Thanks to everybody. 8 is the Garden Gate. Thank you, Aidan. Came across this on my walk in the Phoenix Park yesterday. Horse chestnut. Always first with its leaves. Great time of year. It is indeed the horse chestnut. Just bursts forward. Any sign of mild weather. Can you empathise with the parent-teacher meeting, Louise and Arshanaid? Yes. <laughs> You, feel, were, you were at one recently and it took ages as well, didn't it, to go yeah, around? Yeah, I think it's the secondary schools that take far longer. Longer. Because you've, you've loads of different teachers to get around. Yes. Whereas primary, you just have the one. Which is handy and leaves it handy for yeah. sure. But uh, yeah, going around the, uh, all the teachers and trying to get to all of them. And of course, you're, you're hoping that, you know what I mean, it'll go well, as she said there. And, and would yours say happen to you before going, you know? Uh, the six-year-old actually this year said, <laughs> you know, he was doing everything right. And, you know, can I help you, mammy? Can I do this? Can I do that? Um, mammy, just um, in, in case, you know, you're thinking why I'm being so good... Um, well, really, it's obviously because I love you so much. I said, great. Because, and it's just in case the teacher asks about my behaviour at home at the parent-teacher meeting. So he was forward thinking on that one. The little mind, you know mm. what I mean? The little mind thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, it just shows you the way it is. But anyway, there you go. Uh, they, they're part and parcel of the school year, primary, secondary or whatever, and people go and interact and it's really good. It's a bit nerve-wracking for parents. Yeah, and that's you what feel you, nearly like yeah, the pupil sometimes that's yourself. What, that's yeah. exactly what Sinead Burke was saying there, that it was mm. nearly more nerve-wracking for the parents going along mm. than actually for the, the children themselves. 
Excel that you're going to chat about with the teachers. Anyway, you need to put it aside a few hours, that's for sure. If you thought you were going to run in and run out, no, no, it don't work like that. You have to take your time and see them all. Anyway, that's almost it on Late Lunch for this Monday afternoon. Tomorrow on the show, we meet a wonderful lady from Dundalk who's uh, been involved in fantastic research in the whole area of cancer. Who else have we, Louise, tomorrow? Just to give them a teaser. Somebody else we have tomorrow uh, there. Actually, you know me and me old soft brain. Well, we have the planting people. We Oh, yes, the seeds. The seeds. Yes, we sent out the seeds to a couple of listeners. And Louise has sown our seeds as well, as we were telling you on Friday. And we're going to catch up on all that at springtime. It is springtime on late lunch tomorrow afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's coming next here on LMFM Radio with The Drive. Have a lovely Monday evening. Do come back and join us tomorrow, Tuesday from 1.30. But we leave you today in the company of the wonderful Tom Grennan. And we send you all a little bit of love. I've been holding on to pieces, swimming in the deep end, trying to find my way back to you, cause I'm needing a little bit of love. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.